we'd like you to imagine the scene. 184 and a little bit. Light years from Sol. An unremarkable little planet with a settlement on it. A ship is approaching at speed when a distress call arrives. The occupants, both dressed in a rather fetching-looking spacesuit that no one can actually get yet, although we understand it's remarkably similar to one used in the 21st century when riding a dragon. One of them has a little bit less spacesuit left than the other. This is the Pilots' Federation ship Nutkin with an emergency docking request. We have a medical emergency on board. Oh, I don't feel so good. Well, it's your own silly fault. Just lie there and we'll be down soon. And the stop of Dav's hope, please. Yeah. He's, he's in a bad way. Permission to dock, please. I don't have any docking pads. This is a private settlement. What do you mean private? There are tens upon tens of fleet carriers in orbit, and I can see little scarabs driving, driving about everywhere. I, yeah, I know, but they're not wanted either. Roddy things keep sealing my engineering materials and running away, and then coming back for more. I repeat, so please, go away. Orange sidewinders, purple pythons, black mambas, I'm sick of the sight of them. No choice, Commander. I'm bringing her down just outside the compound. Oh, are we nearly there yet? That's it. We're landed. Let's go see the doctor. The pilot loads his patient onto a little space trolley, face down, and hurries across to the main settlement building. Damn it! Doctor Stott! I'm getting that deja vu feeling again. Getting really ticked off now. It's like I'm stuck in a time warp. I could reverse the polarity on the shields if you would like, Commander. It won't help. There's no point keeping them out. They're in now. Gentlemen, what can I do to help? We've had a bit of an accident, or at least he has. Who tell? Well, we were on a we we're on a top secret filming project for the Pilots Federation on a nearby unexplored atmospheric planet. We were hired as extras, you see. All we had to do was walk around with a prototype rifle in our hands and saunter a bit whilst ships flew overhead. And well, I sort of got injured a little bit. Hang on just a moment. We're not allowed on atmospheric planets for just that reason. It's just too dangerous. That's that's why it was top secret. Uh, we're testing the new spacesuits and equipment ready for next year. The filming was for promotional film, and all we had to do is walk and look meaningfully at a ship landing. Would you take a look at him, Dr. Starr? I, damn it, Jim. I'm a scientist, not a doctor. Oh, it was the lab coat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. All right, I've got a med kit here somewhere. Um, what seems to be the problem? Well, take a look. My word, what on earth happened to the back of his flight suit? Those burns look really nasty, and he looks really rather green around the gills. Janet, Janet, fetch another bucket. Yes, Commander. Here, if you're going to be ill, do it in this. I've got plenty more where that came from. Oh, that's a lot of buckets. What has it got in the bucketses? That's none of your business. Nobody's supposed to know how the buckets work. Just use it if you feel the need. I can always drop it on some unsuspecting player faction later. Go on, tell me about the incident. Well, the director had to do another take because there was too much lens flare and the ship kicked up so much dust it looked like we were filming Lawrence of Arabia. So the ship had to fly up and come down for another pass. And we got bored. Yeah, we were bored. And there was this prototype jetpack just lying about uh, next to the invisible knowledge gun. I think I can see where this is going. And I sort of put it on uh, so we could take some selfies, you know, for the gram. And then I thought, uh, what does this button do? It always starts like... So I grabbed one of the equipment tethers just in case and I pushed the big red button. The next thing I know, he's gone off like a firework. Whoosh! The thing lit up by like a Roman candle. He hit the end of a tether and started flailing around like a fire hose on full pressure with no one holding it. 
It was then that I started to feel really quite ill. I grabbed the end of it, but it was going off like an unbalanced washing machine on a spin cycle. That's when I discovered the 3D vision isn't a good idea when you're using a jetpack. We've let the development team know, oh, and the Remlock helmets don't have draining holes. There I am, hanging on to him like he's some kind of demented kite in a storm, and he flips the faceplate open. It was horrible. It's like something out of The Exorcist. Eventually the fuel ran out and I landed on my ass. It was parked next to the shooting lot. Well, that all sounds well and good, but how how did he get burns like that? Well, it's a prototype. How are we supposed to know that you're supposed to wear flame-proof underwear? He barbecued his landing gear to a crisp, and poor Stevens cracked his industrial firmware. And that's why these things take months of testing. I've told Vanguard not to leave untested stuff lying around where just any old programmer can fiddle with them. I recommend you sleep on your front for the next few months whilst the progenitor cells can take Thanks, Doctor. By the way, uh, I've been meaning to ask, why is this place called Dab's Hope? Because just one day, I hope everybody will ask stop asking silly questions. As we end the scene, Dav goes back to playing with his buckets. Stephen contemplates not being able to sit upon his sit-upon for a while, and probably as a result of the painkillers, dreaming of flying a panther clipper. And Dom starts wondering what he has to do to get his own little settlement. And whether, when he does, he'll be allowed to call it Dom's Corner. Over at Hutton Orbital, a lone figure peers around the corner of the studio door. Hello? Is is there anybody there? <clears throat> well, I've brought the latest shipment of those cards you ordered just in time for the show. Oh, bother. They've all gone to leave. Ah, oh, well, I'll make, just make myself comfy. <clears throat> And as he puts his feet up on the desks, he bumps a button, and a speaker crackles out the words, Our mics are live! Oh, goodness gracious me, come on! Evening, everyone, and for those of you that are really Mouse confused, it's I like Flossie. Are you confused, Flossie? Are you all right? My mouse has stopped working. Oh no! But for those of you out there who are confused, it is not Thursday. It's not eight thirty. We are not at Hutton. And that wasn't Harry Balzac reading the introduction. In fact, the only thing that is normal about this show mm. is that we're here. We're not sure where here actually is, as. Both Sol and Lave appear to be in lockdown. I think I can help with that one, everyone. You see, I'm in the studio. Um, it says here that you've all become hollow yous. You've all gone digital. The, the timer on the computer says you won't be let out until Sunday night. I appear to have a few of your special guests here, though. Well, I might play a nice game of buy something whilst they're waiting. Okay, yeah, let me upload the script. <clears throat> right, there you go. Okay, thank you, Duffet. Uh, right, so here we go. It all goes bad for Simbad the Bad. That's my lines. Mistake. Not shot in hot plot. Mistake, you're not on flossy yet, but we're not, not mistaking not hot shot, hot shot, plot, plot, hot more shot. Mistake, not shot in hot plot. Mistake. Um, 
Waste chased in outbreak breakthrough. I'm looking for the skill worms aren't as catchy as first thought. Wheels within wheels as the dark wheel turns. Saint paint ain't faint. Whatever that means. Nice price for ice dice. Bobs and Burnets back in fashion as Labeshade Cave reopened. Atrus 5060s having your whale off a time. Lou's been left alone in the bubble. And Norma's far from alone in VR. First tonight, for the benefit of our Lavian friends, a brief recap. Not long ago in a star system far, far away, well, about 22,000 light years, a ragtag band of commanders came together to start up their very own biscuit factory over in Colonia, where it was deemed safe to store their golden crunch and their bourbon biscuits. 38 pilots put their flag down on an unremarkable planet in the Dubino system and sat down for a nice cuppa. Edge 38, many of them part-time truckers and full-time loonies, thought that being that far away from the hustle and bustle of the bubble, they'd be free of all the political shenanigans. This wasn't to be, as a refugee from the law had set up shop not very far away at all, and was jealous of all their buttery biscuits, their delicate dunkometer, and their sweet treats. Yes, Sinbad the Bad saw an opening. And when the 38 popped back to the bubble to help with some trouble, swept in the double steel to steal the dunker's rest. With his twirly moustache and his mama's box spaniel fur-lined cape, boo, and his ebony cane, Sinbad turned the happy factory into a prison and its hard-working little elves into indentured labour. Upon their return, the 38, plus or minus a few that they lost in the way, were left homeless, but undaunted they vowed to get their base back and teach Simbad the Bad a lesson about what happens to very naughty faction leaders. The truckers, hooray, and many other friends boarded the buses and swung into action to try and turn the tide, like a Type 9, no, like a Type 10. The turning took a lot longer than expected. But in the last 24 hours, they've all got into the swing of things, and what a swing it is! Yes, the Biscuiteers have leaped into the lead over the Dubinal, and Simbad's been blindsided after being caught turning, uh, tuning into Radio Sidewinder, and the team are a mere few days away from sending the very bad Simbad the bad back to his dingy cave over in... Fart Uri, let this be a listen to you. If you are the kind of commander who waxes his moustache to a point and has a fascination with things that belong to other people, hands off, you rotter! Sticking with Colonia for a bit, we have news that, due to exuberance on the part of the supporters of the 38, one commander, I innumerable, 
came to a sticky end over Dunker's rest. Yes, the pilot of the good ship mistake not my current state of joshing gentle peevishness for the awesome and terrible majesty of the towering seas of ire that are themselves the mere milquetoast shallows fringing my vast oceans of wrath, one of only two Cobra Mark Fords ever to leave the showroom, and henceforth known as the mistake not. A fear of turning into a Lavecon welcome speech reported that he had come under fire from friendly forces whilst making his final approach. The Paladin Consortium's Destruction Derby Wing, hired as a mercenary troop to take on the evil forces of the Mr. Bad, were given instructions to blockade the system, duly hailing the incoming commander, who had made a two-week trip out to Colonia to lend a hand. They didn't receive the passphrase and, as they put it, let him have it. Luckily, with the Pilots' Federation U-turn on recovery services, Taking you to the nearest scrapyard to pick up a replacement ship instead of your point of origin, citing overtime flying laws and fuel costs, Commander I Innumerable simply got a free ride to his destination point, and as a result of no one actually having seen a Cobra Mark IV before, one of the cheapest rebuys they'd ever issued. The mistake not has now been issued with an up-to-date security code, and I Innumerable has joined the innumerable pilots trying to make <laughs> Colonia a safe and peaceful place for everyone. There has been a major scientific breakthrough by Hutton scientists this week, as the ongoing battle to predict system outbreaks has taken a decisive turn. The fleet carrier Alvin's Mercy, en route between Epsilon Eridani and Epsilon Indy on a medical mission, accepted a ship carrying a few tons of bio-waste. Being a medical carrier, all incoming cargo is screened for nasty bugs, from Thargord larvae to space lurgy. And it turned out that the bio-waste was showing extraordinary levels of markers for space plague, the very strain that they just cured. On arrival in Eridani, they contacted station effluent managers and obtained their very own set of sample stools and, wearing appropriate hazmat equipment, were able to identify the strain of the plague that could be spotted 24 hours in advance of any actual outbreak. Whilst this might not be news to the Pilots' Federation, who've been able to herald the arrival of plague before even the first person shows symptoms, known in political circles as a pending outbreak, the team on board the Alvin's Mercy have shortened the time between the tick and identifying the strain to mere minutes, allowing them to take on bioengineered advanced medicines ready to cure just about anything in double-quick time. When asked for a comment on this breakthrough, Commander Aiden of the Mercy simply said, We know shit. Operation Earworm appears to be out on its ear at the moment as a miscalculation as to what actually constitutes an earworm. The attempt to bring the Delta Pavonis ear grubs back into general circulation has hit upon hard times. Whilst the well-known Hutton Orbital, Orbital Radio staple tunes including Do Whatever Flossie Says, the Hutton theme song, Baby Beluga, and even Ruby 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 Ooar Ooar Ooar, are appropriate choices of earworms to play to the population to persuade them to let the Jet family take charge. Unfortunately, the team loaded up the wrong DJ box and instead brought Commander Wotherspoon's entire collection of Shostakovich, Rachmaninoff and Tchaikovsky, which promptly sent the entire population into classical rapture 
and blocked any attempt to brainwash everyone. Not to be deterred, they've contacted the FTM Ruby 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 and asked Graham Snuggles McKeague to hasten back to the bubble once he's had his fill of biscuits and bring the entire back catalogue of the Wurzels to reinvigorate the plan to hypnotise the entire system into believing that a <laughs> Jet family are a 20th century cartoon sitcom parody and not allies of the dastardly Don of Antonacci. Any commanders with suggestions of other catchy ditties to play from the transmitters in system should apply to Eddie Lee Wise of Lave Station in the hopes that he'll replace the entire back catalogue of Enya CDs he plays on Endless Loop to Lave with something entirely more toe-tapping. From the pages of a novella to galnet rumours and whispered conversations, the Dark Wheel have been part of the subconscious of pilots for years. The ongoing mission to kick them out of the subconscious and into the forefront of minds of pilots throughout the galaxy appears to have got off to a flying start, with the political wing of the wheel having taken over a system and sitting pretty in pending expansion to bring their own mysterious brand of politics to yet another system. Will an expansion point the way to Raxler? Will the Dark Wheel of Fortune stop at just the right point? Are the imposters just misdirecting everyone away from the true location of this mysterious system? Are rumours that the Pilots' Federation confirmed that someone had accidentally been there and not actually noticed a cleverly planted prestigitation? Are the jet black gold-edged membership cards complete with hologram panel and embossed commander's name just one step too far? Only time will tell. But we do know that they get to discounts at all good retailers, or they would if anyone actually accepted them. As for the initiation ceremony, are we in? all we know at this stage is that it involves wearing a lab coat and doing something very funny indeed with buckets. Not sure I like those insinuations. <laughs> right. With fleet carriers being mere weeks old, the Brewer Corporation appears to have underestimated the sheer amount of paint required to actually coat one in your preferred colours. Commanders had reported that having coloured their carrier in colourful crimson, or given it enough of a yellow sheen that next to exactly the right type of star it was next to near invisible, after the first jump, the paint decided to take an entirely different route and stay behind it. So, yes, the ferromagnetic paint used appears to have been impregnated with the same materials that are used to make cotton mugs and was extremely sensitive to both frame shift and witch space energy. The Brewer Corporation claims that this new formulation was to allow them to make the paint go even further, using a layer only a single molecule thick across the whole ship. Rumour has it that they were in fact scooping up all of the paint after a jump and then selling it to the next carrier commander that <laughs> In the last two days, they've reverted to their original paint formula and promised all commanders that the paint that they're using is now reinforced with powdered nabbing, rendering it impervious to everything from hot box docking attempts to near misses with a nearby neutron star and even the odd 500 light year tritium, which is a relief for Sinjin Hawk as he was very upset at losing his vibrant pink paint shortly after. There was some breaking news from Spider-Mine Systems earlier today that they were indeed the company behind the enormous purchase orders and prices paid for low-temperature diamonds. Yes, they've been covertly crowdfunding their latest mixological creation, the low-temperature diamond ice dice, perfect accompaniment to any Centauri Mega Gin Sling. 
Whether you want your drink to roll a natural 20 at the bar when trying to impress fellow singletons, or you want to do 1d3 hangover damage, you've now got the perfect method to dice your way through every sip. More information will be forthcoming after this news, or for those of you who have worked out where the rewind button is on the VCR, you can go back to earlier where they told us all about it. So, you can be confident that all the mining you are doing not only made your wallet bulge, but you've probably found enough of them to create a shining Coriolis with, which you can dice with death every time you die. John! John, that be you! Daffy! Daffy! Is he here? Yeah, I was reading. I was just on mute, see, because I pressed a button and then didn't press it again. Sorry. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, we'll cut that out in the edit later. Anyway, there was an enormous sigh of relief across the galaxy today. After months of embargo, the hollow wee barber at the Lave Shave Cave reopened for business at midnight last night. There was some minor confusion after a nearby Brazilian barber specialising in an entirely different part of the anatomy was accepting appointments. But as that was soon cleared up after the first commander left feeling a little draftier around the hollow landing gear than they'd anticipated. But with commanders watching their finely tuned and finely honed hollow me becoming even more hairy as the days went on, they were forced to watch as they went from dashing Corsair to mulleted hick through Outback Pioneer and right out the other side into Crazy Hermit. With digital wallets full of arcs, queuing began for a snip from the digital scissors. A grade four Imperial Clipper, a short back and sides, and even the odd Rachel from Friends for the more retro commander. But whether they're going for curtains, crew cuts, comb over, or a quiff, the white wise barnet is back in action. Digital barbers are said to be booked up for the next six months as commanders prepare themselves for being able to set foot outside their ships for the very first time. Though there are rumours that the predicted fashion trend in early 3307 is, well, most likely to be a wet look, matted remlock hair. Unless, of course, the tenuous atmosphere that you visit happens to be exactly the same as that that you'll find on Sol. Good evening, trackers. Atris5060 reporting in with the latest intel and updates in the Thargoid War. You might be wondering where I've gone off to since it's been a while since you had an update for me. I'm currently out in Colonia. Looking for Sarg the Mighty, after I caught word that the pesky bugs might have snuck aboard the FTM Cloud Atlas. We also learned that Sarg likes biscuits, so it naturally made sense when I heard that Simbad the Bad had taken Dunker's rest from Ed's 38. That a conspiracy was afoot between the enemies of all good natured Pilot Federation commanders. During the rather haphazard trip out here, I may, or may not, have abducted a few boffins indiscriminately from the Gnosis to help with my mission. Oh, little had I realised that I had actually abducted LCU, no fool like one, no, there's not another one like him at all. Oh, except there are several of his clones. To say the least, I have learned they are all very passive-aggressive towards one another, 
and locking them in the cargo hold for safekeeping during the journey seems to have only aggravated them. Especially LCU no fool like three who tried to start a one-man revolution to overthrow the tyranny of the bourgeoisie. I suspect he may have been contaminated with imperial DNA during the cloning process. Oh, LCU no fool like one and LCU no fool like ten are currently examining the options. Although LCU no fool like eight does seem to be very different from the others. Looking rather insectoid compared to his clone brothers. Probably just my eye playing tricks on me. Now for that update I promised earlier on the Thargoid War which there isn't much to update other than those mad truckers over in Operation IDA, or, or is it Ida? They're impressing the galaxy once more by filling to capacity 12 fleet carriers, 12 fleet carriers even, with over 300,000 tonnes of CMM composites. Goodness knows what they are. And of course, we've been repairing a record number of stations, having only 13 stations left to repair. That's a smaller number, isn't it? I was told to avoid lists, but I can't resist. I'm going to kill him for giving me this list. The systems with damaged stations in need of repair are New Kuang and, oh God, Ad No Ad No Dodo, Hip 117960, Kara, Dan, oh poor Dan, he was such a nice lad, Gabia, Kupol Vu Song B HIP two eight four three HIP one three one seven three LDS eight eight three Garonxians Private M it's private there you know and HIP one seven two seven two one seven one seven two seven two for now truckers enjoy the annual gathering at Lave and when you're done humanity can always use the help from the greatest hauling force in the galaxy to get these stations fixed. Good luck out there for the mug. <laughs> for the mug, welcome to the LaveCon BGS report. It's been a really, really fun day with lots of commanders joining in with crazy virtual events and talks and maybe having a teeny tiny bit of Lavian brandy in a mug, of course. Unless you like a lot of Lavian brandy and then you can have it in a stein. At least that's what Cecil told me. And that wasn't true. Drinking a stein of brandy turns out to be a really, really bad idea. Not as bad as Sinbad the Bad, but nearly, so you can see how bad it is. What what he should have said was, it's all gone a bit shit in stein. Not massively, but a bit. There's a civil war for second place in the system. And if we don't increase our influence, there's a risk the winner will hop over us like a cheeky cricket. And then we'll have to jump back over them like an excited spaniel and risk getting into a pointless conflict. So that's why we need all you bubbly pilots to grab Stein by the handle and boost the crap out of it. We rushed into second place in the new wolf already, so that's all good. And if you can keep that up while securing Stein as well, that would be lovely. In Colonia, we've got Edge 38 past the naughty new Sinbad the Bad, who is very bad, and we need to keep boosting them while the election is locking Sinbad's influence, and also help Radio Sidewinder to win the election. So, every new thing you can for the biscuits, 
and nice things for the broadcasters because shooting's never helpful if you're trying to keep an election going. Right, I'm off to the bar. Norma, get your bit done and I'll have a beastly brandalicious buttock blaster waiting for you. Oh, sounds nice. Good evening, everyone. It's me. First tonight, a quick update on the Hutton Fleet carriers. The Ruby, 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 wah, 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 made it safely back to Colonia with a shipment of paladins. Sorry, Dom, we forgot to tell them you were coming. The FTM, FTM Cloud Atlas is currently refueling in a nearby system and appears to be a couple of thousand tons short of enough fuel to make the return journey but they're working hard in the nearby ice ring to top it off and we'll be publishing the boarding times once we have them. Actually, I've got some breaking hollow news here. The Cloud Atlas is now refueled and scheduled to leave soon. As in, really soon. So anyone wanting to get back to the bubble had better board quickly. Work. Kelvin's Mercy is on a mission of mercy over in Epsilon Arizani, as mentioned earlier in the news, attempting to cure yet another system of space plague before it gets out of hand and everyone turns a very special shade of green. Actually, it's Pantone 15-0343, affectionately known as Greenery, but colloquially known as Sinusitis Green. It's horrible. So lend Commander Aiden a hand. The DSSA ships are still taking up station out in deep space, but someone appears to have stolen our ball of petunias. We hope all is well with him, and they'll be back soon, sometime soon. The Alvin's Paw is still up to goodness knows what, but there are rumours that they're invited Stephen Benedetti on an outing in this in very near future, and we're looking forward to whatever it is that Hotbox has planned for him and Arthur. Other than that, I've had a lovely day over at LaveCon Live. We've had some role-playing with Spider-Mind. I think there's some more of that tomorrow. Sounds like Flossie's going in character as Miss Marbles in her own Second Life studio. The Bobster Code has now been full of retro and there have been talks throughout the day. Oh, and a quiz! There's lots more tomorrow, including the raffle, so make sure you back the ticket and tune in. All the information is available on the Gal Web over address www.hwsevents.co.uk slash virtual dash lavecon dash 2020. I'm off to Flossie's shop to go and get myself a virtual virtual lavecon badge and to watch some of the buckyball racing. And that's all from me this week. is in trouble bug infestations in the bubble your home stations burn rubble what on earth can we do now interstellar initiatives let flossie tell you what it is then you can get involved with this you should listen to what flossie says interstellar tells us what she thinks it is then you can get involved with this now you should listen to what Lassie says 
and people are changing my scripts in front of my eyes. As there aren't any interstellar initiatives anymore, or CGs, and we have a studio full of developers. I'm going to be tying them to their chairs and not releasing them until we've got some back. Other than that, you've got to do what I say. And I say, let's all listen to Dockers after this, as I'm in it. Have a great time, everyone. And remember, for the mug. Now, where did I put the pliers and the ball worms? Flossie told you what to do. Galnet News Digest, live from LaveCon, 4th of July, 3306. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, elite feet delay causes convention cancellation. Galnet author takes another rest. The galaxy is dead again. Elite feet delay causes convention cancellation. The annual convention for elderly commanders, LaveCon, has been cancelled this year due to a shortage of legs. According to a source close to the organizer, normally held at the Sedgebrook House Spaceport, the event attracts the sort of commander that likes to tell you how much better things were back in the 32nd and 33rd centuries, while knocking back a succession of foaming tankards of ale. A number of these commanders have been known to pull off what's known as a fool Michael Brooks, before succumbing to gravity and sleep, a process that leaves the commanders legless. And it is delays in manufacturing new space legs to replace those legs that have been lost in this way that's meant that planetary landings at LaveCon have had to be suspended and replaced by a system called Telepresence, which allows commanders to congregate in a virtual Sedgwick Hall and to wear kimonos if they really want, although any splashing about they may want to do is strictly confined to their own bathtubs. The veteran commanders are looking forward eagerly to next year's LaveCon, by which time the Pilots' Federation has promised that there will not only be elite feet, but also rather exciting jetpacks, which should make an evening excursion to the Brampton Halt public house both quicker and more eventful. Galnet author takes another rest. The editor-in-chief of Galnet is reported to have gone back to sleep following an unexpected burst of creative activity in early June, during which the availability of Vitadine nanomedicines was announced. Nanomeds are being manufactured by the Vandermeer Corporation and are believed to be especially useful for commanders who are bold or reckless enough to step outside the cockpit of their ships and find themselves shot, squashed, or ripped into tiny pieces by other commanders, ships landing on top of them, or rampaging Thargoids, respectively. Nanomeds are reported to cure almost any illness or ailment and are just the sort of thing that 21st century politicians would have wanted if they weren't too busy posturing and standing for election to worry about the health of their people. Prior to June, the Gallnet editor's last burst of activity was in mid-January, when he managed to publish a stunning 
two articles, one about the Thargoids being mildly annoying in the Witchhead sector, and another about renaming some of the systems with slightly less hideous names. He has not yet felt the need to honour the arrival of fleet carriers with an article in his increasingly slim publication. The only way the Galnet minions can tell their editor is still alive is by observing the silk handkerchief over his face, fluttering up and down as he breathes. Resplendent in an embroidered dressing gown, the supine body of the Galnet editor has not been observed to move at all for the past three weeks. Whether he'll wake up in time to cover the first commander exploration of planets with tenuous atmospheres is anyone's guess. The galaxy is dead again. With most commanders retired or on shore leave, it's undeniable that the galaxy is dead. There are a few exceptions, of course. The Dark Wheel is about to expand from LFT 926 to a third system, bringing the prospect of finding Raxler infinitesimally closer. The AXI is running a community goal to kill as many Thargoids as possible and having a bit of a competition to find out who can kill two Thargoids and land safely back at Ceres Tarn the quickest. The Buckyball Racers are holding the Rush Job Telepresence Distanced Time Trial. Operation IDA, or is it IDA? Nobody knows, is still repairing the last few Thargoid damage stations. Miners are scouting for and finding triple and even quadruple overlapping low-temperature diamond hotspots. There are somewhere in the region of 10,000 fleet carriers in the galaxy, making travel and trade easier than it's ever been before. The number of commanders flying in the galaxy stands at only about double the number flying over the previous three years. Yes, the galaxy is dead. Again. And that's this week's LaveCon Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. I'm Amelia Hawk, and this is a Golnet Food Digest Light Bite. We nibble on the galaxy's rarest goods, so you don't have to. As we've only got a short time this evening, I've taken the liberty of asking the bar staff here at Virtual LaveCon for their rarest little tub of bar snacks. Mukasubi Chitnos. Bar snacks are said to be the perfect accompaniment to just about any drink you might want to sample at the bar. And if previous LaveCons are anything to go by, everyone works their way through just about everything there is. Except for a couple of bottles of something suspiciously blue. And a bottle of dodgy-looking rosé that no one seems to want to open. These crunchy morsels, flavoured with everything from beef extract to hedgehog, and at least 15 different varieties of chilli, are mass-produced from their native insects of nearby planets. Blended into a crunchy powder by industrial machinery, they're reformed in approximations of the rings of an orbis station, complete with crispy carapace hubs and legs out to the rings. What might, at first glance, seem an unusual choice for an ingredient is rich in essential minerals and has a crunch that can be matched by your usual potato and chemical mix, 
used by other shipboard snacks. And unless you look at the packaging, it's easy to forget that the natural crunch and meaty flavor was once devouring crops on a nearby agricultural world, or scaring people by lurking in the corners of rooms waiting to jump out and make them scream. Chidnos are the pinnacle of an industry that boasts amongst its creations Thargatos, Jarrus rice crackers, and everyone's favorite, Ochuang chili pork scratchings. If you, like most humans, ignore where your food actually comes from and appear to have a cast iron gut for nibbling on anything that used to move, then this is the snack for you. I'm off to wash this down with some burnum bile distillate and to take away the taste if possible. This was Amelia Hawk for the Galnet Food Digest, signing off and definitely not entering the next frontier late night 24-hour live stream eat weird stuff on camera competition. This here's Buck Naked, spokesman for Lacon Spaceways. Back again for this week's Hutton Top Trucker. How do we keep up with your shenanigans while you toot around in the Milky Way? Why, we install this little piece of software called the Hutton Helper in your spaceship. If you ain't already got it installed, you can install it yourself, relatively pain-free, by going to the website hot.forthemug.com. Almost as pain-free as Texas heat. So let's get on to our top truckers this week. Yeehaw! From the explorers, jumping around like them bullfrogs down by the creek, Commander S.J. McThompson took the lead this week and jumped 100,821 light years. Commander Millstone Barn had fun with his trigger finger again this week, turning the despicably dirty do-batter Don Antonacci and his band of pathetic pirates into space dust. He racked up over 53 million credits worth of bounties while tearing the engines out of each and every one of the Don ships. Running missions faster than Cecil on the way to Cubicle 3 to take a leak, Commander Freaky Eyes took the lead and tallied up 1,091 mission points this week. 
and loading up the new trailer attachment to the rear of a Lacon Type 9 and filling it to the brim, Commander Operation IDA hauled almost 93,000 tons of cargo around the galaxy. Commander St. John Hawk bought a heck of a lot more, but we have no idea what happened to it all. There's at least 50,000 tons unaccounted for. Driving the Hutton short bus this week, Commander Vanteon delivered 822 passengers round the galaxy. One of them was Cecil, who drained him of his gin reserves. Poor bastard. Now some of y'all thought you could take a shortcut on the old Hutton Run. Well that don't sit well with Buck. The Hutton Run is a time-honored challenge to jump into the system at Alpha Centauri and travel that .22 light years straight out to Hutton Orbital. Much like other race challenges in the past, such as the Bandit and Snowman running 400 cases of Coors beer from Texarkana back to Atlanta, and the Cannonball Run zooming across the United States from New York City to Los Angeles. You don't get to use shortcuts. What fun would it have been if one of them simply chartered a flight? Nope, ain't no challenge in that. Lake On Spaceways employs only the finest programmers and time trackers, though. And those who thought they'd sneak their way into the top echelon have simply disappeared instead. Well, sort of. Many thanks to uh, Antarius Fusion. He's been asleep this past week, so we gotta kick him in the arse and get him moving again. But he does spend a lot of time on that hut and helper, keeping the sanctity of the run and all of our other challenges intact. Anyway, for this week, I'll only mention that our fastest run to Hutton Orbital is held by Commander Brett Riverboat in 1 hour, 22 minutes, and 31 seconds. That time can be beat, but are you willing to do it the honest way and light up the sky? If so, download the Hutton Helper and get to flying, Commander. You want to hear your name on this here radio station? Make sure you got the Hutton Helper installed. Pick it up on the web at hot.forthemug.com and get to trucking. And don't forget, if you do hear your name called out and you ain't already got one, get in touch with us to get your very own Hutton decal for your ship. Hutton Top Trucker, brought to you by Lake On Spaceways. Only ships in the galaxy worth a spit. Well, it was a good introduction. I liked it. Mm, Sorry. Thank you. Is it me? <laughs> yes, Dom. Dom. This one is on me. I. Where did I put it? Behind the sofa. Yeah, it's down, it's down, it's down the back of the sofa. Um, give me two seconds while I just, yeah, oh, it's Buck here. Or is that just somebody, is that just somebody? No, no, it's me. No, it's it's me doing what we call in the trade dicking about. Ah. Uh, see, Buck Buck with this one done well in advance, you see, that's, that's why we don't have it, because it was done on time. It was, just give me a quick second, I forgot 
to link it up. That's my mistake. It was sitting not a problem the... at all. It's been a long, long day for you. Um, where has it gone? Edit's going to sound wonderful. There it's in there. the edit, right See, there. Yes. Mm. Edit, yeah, that's going to happen. Right, <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're ready to pass over to Buck. Here we go. Over to you, Buck. <laughs> <laughs> 